Well, hello. Uh, on the entire plane of the interwebs, you found us at this time, at this night. And welcome to Caching in the Northwest. This is the only podcast from the birthplace of geocaching in the Great Pacific Northwest. Each week, we're going to talk about caches and cachers from here and around the globe. So while you're actively avoiding a trip to the ER, we'll be caching in the Northwest. That's right. And that means it's time to bring in our yellow-tailed woolly monkey. Some say he's luckier than a rabbit's foot. And others say there's no deep end in his pool. All we know is he's called Land Monkey. So are, are you implying I'm from the shallow end of the gene pool? Is that, <clears throat> is that what that's all about? No, I, I, you just have a single depth pool. Oh, okay. All right. I just read what's put in front of me. <laughs> I'm just following orders. Uh, hey, um, and those who are watching live will notice that uh, we have a very sharply dressed guest tonight. It is uh, the return of Medicine Man of Seattle. Dr. Alex, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you much. Oh, a tip of the top hat to you. <laughs> Folks, if, you, if you're just listening to the download of this podcast audio only, you got to you got to go over to YouTube and check this episode and just see, you got to see Alex. He's just, he's styling this top hat. This is amazing. I feel underdressed. <laughs> Fortunately for us, you are at least, you got a sweater on. We're good. Okay. <laughs> no pants because, well, that's how we podcast. Podcaster, yeah. Hey folks, a quick reminder that we appreciate the support of our patrons who help to keep this podcast coming each and every week. If you want to know more about supporting the show, click the Patreon link on the cachingnw.com website. And hey, we've got some breaking news here. Uh, you know that we have a new sponsor for the show, which is awesome, Land Sharks. Thank you very much. Land Sharks have stepped it up and have a special discount for you listeners. This month, special promotion for you listeners from our sponsor, landsharks.ca. From October 18th until the end of November, get a 15% discount on trackable coins and tags from landsharks, with a Z, dot C-A, online or in person at the Shark Store. Some exceptions apply. Use the promotional code LSTRAK, L-S-T-R-A-C-K. Cool. And, and spoiler alert, stay tuned to the end of this episode to learn how to enter our new contest where you can win a rare and exclusive Landshark's 10-year anniversary trackable. Rare and exclusive. Do you know what else is rare and exclusive? What has two thumbs and is rare and exclusive? Well, I don't know. This, this is making great audio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else is rare and exclu exclusive are good logs. Yes. You know, and they may have two thumbs in those logs. I don't exactly know. <laughs> but whether you wrote it or whether you read it, we want to hear about it because great logs simply makes geocaching better. Send an email to feedback at cachingnw.com. You know, you can call it into 253-693-TFTC or use the voicemail tool on the website and show us how you glow. That's right. We appreciate the glows. And this week's glow was submitted by... R. Reagan. Do you have Reagan? Yeah, I don't know. It just says R. Reagan. So this one was by Geo Monkey Tiger, who found unknown cache Siamese dodecahedron, which I'm already a fan of because how often do you hear dodecahedron in a cache name? It's great. Clearly not often enough. That's right. Exactly. And that's GCQKJR. It's like an old radio station in Seattle. How about that? And this week's glow reads. I saw this old cache when I was scouting the area for a trip to Jacksonville for some hard rocking. This helps me fill in my well-rounded cacher grid, so I started working on the puzzle. I learned my friend, Poan, was actually coming to Jacksonville a day ahead of me, and this cache was on her radar, too. I teamed up with her, and we got a solution. It was only about 20 minutes from my hotel. Sweet! She got the cash yesterday, but today was my day to shine. I parked at the nearby gas station, played a little frogger to get over the road. I don't know why I didn't apply bug spray, but apparently word got out about it, and some crazy flock of buzzing attack insects pecked at me on the tenth-of-a-mile hike across 
across the field. Once at the tree line, it was time to earn those three and a half terrain stars. I surveyed a lot of different choices, and when I was confident I had truly found the thickest, largest thorns in the forest, I chose that path. This is awesome. I'm enjoying this. I was going to say, this sounds this like is exactly idea. what I do. <laughs> Once past the thorns, I had to navigate a field of waist-high fern things you folks have down here in Florida. We don't have these back in Atlanta. I have no idea if it's true, but I just picture these plants covered in ticks and the ticks practically dying of ecstasy as this giant, chunky, shorts-wearing, non-insect-repellent-covered dude comes hiking through. Shudder. Fortunately, I don't have too far to go, and without a ton of difficulty, I spot the cache. At first, I thought the cache was empty, but I soon spied the log. The can has seen better days, but for the moment, it's working. And by working, I mean... It's a container. Okay, it looks like the CO is offline. If the next person is feeling generous, they may want to contribute a new can to the cause of keeping this old one alive. I signed the log and proceeded to navigate the tick-covered, waist-high fern forest. I was a little disappointed that I couldn't find the thorn wall that I broke through to get in, so I had to take the considerably less thorny way out. Once out of the tree line, the swarming insect came back to me and followed me back to the street where I froggered back to the gas station and the relative safety of the geomobile. Thanks for a fun adventure. <laughs> that sounded real sincere. That <laughs> you know, I've never heard froggered as a verb before, but you know exactly I, what I meant. know exactly what uh-huh. it meant. Yep. Highly descriptive. There you so, go. Yeah, that was good. That's a good, that's a good glow. I like that one. Yeah. The, the ticks being so excited yeah hey we got some feedback this week we did we did apparently i made a mistake with the glow last week i I didn't make a mistake i just didn't offer a single glow i offered two at the same time and it may have sounded like they got sandwiched together because well they did kind of did and just like as i mentioned a few minutes ago i just read what's put in front of me so i i want to Actually, Chris's defense, in honor of the TV show Glow, uh, no, not Glow, what was it called? Um, Glee. Uh, it was a Glow mashup. Oh, a Glow mashup. Yes, bringing two of the best glows together to make an even glowier glow. There you go. I don't think that's a thing. Okay. <laughs> but But I said it, so it's true. So we get this email from Southern Grits. Good evening from Southern New Mexico. I just listened to episode 271 today at work. Great episode. I did, however, notice some familiar words within the glow being read. I think there was confusion in the show notes. You have no idea about our show notes. They are very confusing. Hey. Oh, wait. No, they're fine until we actually get in there. Uh, You started talking about Tunnel of Fun and a group of cashers going to locate it sending an Aussie down for the find, if I remember right. Uh, It was Brylang's log being read, but then the familiar words rang out. The rest of the email was my submission from Time in a Bottle. That's GC7Mike73Charlie. And how I missed the Pacific Northwest. It made sense then as to why the rest of my email slash caching name were left off when the glow was read several episodes back. It was transplanted by Breiling's glow. Oh, now I see. Mm. Yeah. I wanted to make sure this correction was made to give fair credit to the glows where due. Breiling's cash find was way tougher than my time in a bottle multi-cash. And to answer your question, nowadays, it's instant grits for me. <laughs> Do you remember the, the cashier's name was Southern Grits? And we went down the discussion book. about grits. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Uh, Not many places in New Mexico make real grits the way they do in the South. Yes, I'm a transplant to New Mexico. Anytime you want to visit Southern New Mexico, look me up. Thanks for all the fun. You guys keep me laughing at work. Southern Grits. She continues on, P.S. Grits can also stand for girls raised in the South, which I was. Mm. Hence my caching name, Southern Grits. That's a new acronym for me. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of it either. Uh, 
she goes on to say, I would be interested to know how others derived the cash name they came to use. I like there it. you go. That sounds like Very a good topic. hashtag fatas topic. Ooh. Yeah. I like it. Sweet. But all that's right. not all the feedback we got this week. It's not. No. There's more, but this, wait, there's more? Is this feedback about glows as well? No. Okay, so we can move into the afterglow. Is it feedback yeah. about other mistakes we've made on this show? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> and I am definitely feeling the afterglow. Okay. Great. Uh, yeah, the next one is an email that came in from Ron Witt. Um, he writes, not sure if this matters or not, but on show 271, your guest referenced a couple of Where I Goes in Hawaii. That was our Where I Go episode with uh, my favorite rapping geocacher, MC3 Cats. He mentioned the cache USS Arizona by Joyful Nomad. That's GC4 Kilo Echo Kilo Yellow. Um, the CEO of that where I go is actually Land Nav Master. Ooh, Land Nav Master. That sounds impressive. Joyful Nomad is the CEO of the other Hawaii cache mentioned, who done it at Shark Cove. Ah, is GC4 Tango 45 Alpha. I think the caching in the Northwest crew needs to take a field trip and research both of those caches in person. I think maybe that's why we're getting confused. So we should probably. Yeah, exactly. Until we do them, I don't (laughs) think we could even talk any more about them. All right. Well, we'll pause on that. Uh, Last comment in there from Ron Witt is, by the way, I'm glad the shows are back on iTunes and timely. You're welcome. And and we're glad of that too. Yes. Yes. The yes. iTunes are reorganized and straightened out and all that kind of thing. <laughs> we like the iTunes and when things work right. We like them when they work well. Yes. So yes. is Land Nav Master a cousin of GeoNav Pros? Oh. Well, I don't know. Is is what's more significant? What what's higher in the hierarchy, the master or the pro? Ooh. I don't know. No. I, <laughs> I know somebody that is a, a master and a pro of first aid on the trail. Ooh, and yeah. that would be our guest tonight to discuss first aid while geocaching. It's our returning guest, Medicine Man of Seattle. So welcome back. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. So last time you joined us, you had we had great response to the topic of first aid relating to safety and geocaching. You know, what to put in a first aid kit. Uh, so we'd like to continue to explore that topic a bit with you, if you're willing. I, I assume the feedback was positive feedback and not just, uh, <laughs> why would you bumly fools have this man on? <laughs> so no, let's go on. Actually, uh, <laughs> which is, why would you be on a podcast with these bumbling fools? But yeah, yeah. Okay, we're good with that either. Yeah, we, we mashed up the, the words in a different order. <laughs> <laughs> something like that same, same words different order it all yeah. means the same yeah <laughs> well we're glad you're back and uh maybe somebody listening to us hasn't missed the last episode or is unfamiliar with you why don't you if you're willing share a little about yourself how long have you been a geocacher tell us about medicine in seattle uh so i started geocaching basically as a second or third date with a woman when i was in cincinnati I had no idea what geocaching was. She was a fanatic about it. She had her uh, yellow e-trex with her, and we went to one of the big parks in Cincinnati, and she got a little notepad out and started reading some plaques and jotting down some numbers and mumbling to herself, and I just wandered along with her, and lo and behold, we turned this corner, and there's this large Tupperware in the base of a tree filled with books on CD. Hmm. And I had no idea what to do next. <laughs> yeah. She says, well, you, you got to come up with the name. So I was living in the city of Norwood there. So I was medicine man of Norwood. So I put that down. And then I said, can I take a CD? And she says, no, you don't have anything to trade. And I felt so disappointed. <laughs> so then we walked uh, further through the park and we found a small fountain. And uh, this, you know, again, she's like, I, I think the cash is somewhere in the fountain. And the fountain's on and water's flowing. And, and sure enough, you can kind of get your hand up and over one little area just at the right angle. Then the water starts to pour down your sleeve and down into my vest. But I reached and found a medium-sized Tupperware and thought, okay, 
this may have some merit. I'm now half wet. I didn't get a book on CD and I'm still perplexed on what to do. I'm not so sure we went out on a fourth date after that. And and it wasn't the mumbling to herself that was an issue. Right. It was okay. It was getting your shirt wet. Getting my shirt wet <laughs> and not getting my book on CD. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> not, not understanding the rules of, of geocaching, the trade and trade alike. Yeah. Uh, fast forward several years later, I'd met my wife um, here in Seattle, and she had gone hiking and gotten into a bad car accident, of which pretty much the only thing that was damaged was her uh, handheld Garmin. And so she needed to buy a new one for, for safety and hiking. And I said, that's fine. We should definitely invest in that. And then she traveled for like a week to Ukraine for work. And so I was left at home with this brand new Garmin, not knowing what to do with it. And I promptly went online and figured out that there are at least half a dozen caches walking distance to my house. And from there, I went and bought the exact same model. And now we each have our own handheld Garmins that uh, are good for safety and for geocaching. And have just uh, continued on from there. So I have, I have a very large gap of several years in my geocaching history. That's that's awesome. Well, you know, Alex, we had a question earlier from Southern Grits, which mm-hmm. was... Uh, well, how did I get my... Uh, yeah. So how did you get your geo handle? Where did it come up from? Yeah. So when I was living in Cincinnati, I was a resident, so training to be a pediatrician. And I thought I wanted to start a blog. So I couldn't think of anything better than Medicine Man of Norwood, the small city I was living in, in inside of Cincinnati. And then when I moved to Seattle, I thought, well, Medicine Man in Norwood no longer makes sense. That's I live in the city of Seattle. I should be the Medicine Man of Seattle. Uh, and have subsequently created a second blog, of which I'm very poor at posting at, um, but um, use that as my handle for other things until I realized that writing out MMOS was much simpler and quicker on many of the tiny logs. So I've quickly abbreviated down to that. Nice. Alex, tell us about one of your favorite geocaching adventures you've been out on. I think that we have done two different uh, cruises up to the San Juan Islands and the smaller islands around San Juan, organized by two great geocachers in our area here. Um, Some of them have been to really small remote islands. Some of them have been to islands with lighthouses. Some of them have been very easy to find geocaches. Others have been very challenging and needed extra equipment and extra paddles to, to get to them. Uh, but what I think I made them really special is that they were caches that were best done as groups, best done um, with friends, best done with different ideas of how to approach the cache and, you know, of different skill levels. Um, so that they've just been... A pleasure to just be a part of and you know totally worth the cost the energy to effort to drive up the anacortis first thing in the morning and then uh yeah just be out on the water <laughs> nice anacortis first thing in the morning i don't know if that's a place i want to be uh <laughs> if you're going out on the water that's fine so i love the smell of anacortis in the morning it mm-hmm. smells like victory that's what I was trying to come up with. but I, It's all about the donut shop. Like as soon as you get oh, into Anacortis, you just stop at that first donut shop and you just, it's like, it's like you get your coffee, you get three donuts and you're good to go for the day. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sold. Yep. <laughs> so wait a minute. Does the caffeine counteract the sugar crash you're going to have after three donuts? Well, plus, plus the, the natural geocaching high of oh, all the, you know, fines that you get. With three donuts, you don't need a, a motor on the boat. You can just get out there and kick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so other than Anacortes, is there a place that you would love to go geocaching but haven't yet got there? You know, kind of a bucket list geocache destination? I I think that probably really interesting places would be... Um, small city, small towns on... Um, Vancouver Island, Niamo, I think would be great. Uh, my wife and I did our honeymoon in Victoria and toured around there and got some of the earth caches right around the Bay Area there. But I thought, you know, going deeper into kind of these really small, tiny villages, ones that you'd have to approach either by seaplane or small ferries would be really neat and just kind of spend a week or so almost island hopping or even along the Alaskan Aleutian Islands to see if there's the quality caches there or not. And really enjoy the true U.S. Northwest. 
Nice. I like that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. You may have an uh, uh, opportunity to go to Victoria for a caching in the Northwest event. I'm just Ooh. throwing that out there and I'm not saying anything more. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's switch gears and we're going to talk a little bit about tonight's topic, which is outdoor safety. Mm-hmm. We often talk about the 10 essentials on this podcast, one of which is a first aid kit, but there's hundreds of different first aid kits and each has various different items in it. There, there's, It's rare you find like the perfect first aid kit that has, yes, this is everything I was told should be in a first aid kit. So Alex, um, and I'll admit it's a bit of a recap of the last time you're on, but I think it's important. Could you clarify for us kind of the absolute must have the key things that should be in everybody's first aid kit? Yeah. So I think, I think, um, must haves in a first aid kit, you know, so there's a few things I would say, number one, um, have a first aid kit. Number two, pack your first aid kit. Number three, put your first aid kit with you on the trails. You know, it doesn't do you any good to leave in the car. It doesn't do you any good to scat- scatter it at home or, um, you know, in, in your backpack that you forgot to take. Um, beyond that, it's really going to depend on your environment, the length of time that you're going out for. Um, so simple things that I think that would make a lot of sense, some simple band-aids, a small pair of scissors, um, a piece of gauze or like an ACE bandage can generally be your makeshift, um, binders. If you have sprained an ankle, if you've accidentally, you know, dislocated, uh, a finger joint or an elbow joint, they, they can be really helpful in, in saving. Um, I think coupled with that, you're probably also going to want uh, fresh water. You're going to want a hand sanitizer. Uh, you are going to want your bug spray and sunscreen as well. I think that those are all going to become really important. Um, you know, having pieces of moleskin that you can use to help repair uh, the inside of your boot, or if you had gotten a blister, can also be really valuable and mm-hmm. simple. And then using your scissors to cut to kind of the right size pieces. Uh, so I think a lot of it comes down to. If you're going to use your first aid kit, you know, you're using it for one of two reasons. One is a, a minor injury or discomfort that you're going to fix and then continue on with your adventure. And then the other side is the, oh, okay, this ends our adventure. We just got to get out, got to make it back to civilization for safety, you know, call for help or, or drive home or whatever the, the situation calls for. Um, so I, I think you have to become very creative, which I think geocachers tend to be. Uh, you have to be creative in your hiding and your seeking and your finding. And I think in your first aid kit, too, you can find a lot of dual use items, things that uh, are lightweight, things that don't take up a lot of space, but things that can be combined together fairly quickly in order to to be useful. Okay, great. So if somebody's listening and said, wow, that guy in the top hat and bow tie, he makes a lot of sense. I need to go out and stock my first aid kit and I'm missing some of those things right now. Are those items that you can just go to your corner drugstore, grocery store? Where would you recommend somebody go buy those items? Yes, yeah, so you can do it two ways. Probably the simplest way is to buy just a prepackaged hiking first aid kit or like a car first aid kit. Uh, that's generally going to have a little bit of everything on there. You can certainly go to your drugstore. You can certainly go to Amazon. You can certainly just raid your own medicine cabinet uh, and start to piecemeal things together. Now, the risk with that is that your spouse may say, Hey, where are my scissors? Why did you take, you know, <laughs> why did you take our sunscreen and not replace it? What if you're spending um, the night at Land Monkey's house? Can you raid his medicine cabinet? Right, right. Um, you know, or heaven forbid you take the last sanitary pad, you know, that works as a really good absorber for when you're walking through those needles of three inches long and get scrapes on. Um, so I, I would probably recommend, you know, if you go and buy a commercial first aid kit, it comes in a nice package. It's all sealed. It's tight. It's small, but then make sure you open it up and look at everything in there and get to know your first aid kit, you know, play around with it, take everything out, see what's repackaged, see what you have and what you don't. Um, and then as you have to use your first aid kit after your adventures, make sure you think about replenishing them. Um, so you'll quickly adapt to new things. You know, you may not like the individual packages of, um, a Benadryl. So instead you put some in a Ziploc bag or you'll have a, a plastic container that you'll create or, or have for a, a geocache and storm that way safely. Um, so I, th- I think it's an ever evolving sort of, uh, piece of your hiking equipment. So you're uh, really saying go buy a first aid kit 
it's going to save your marriage. It's going to save your marriage. It's going to save your time. It's going to save you money probably in the long run too. Uh, you know, if you have to buy a pair of scissors, a box of band-aids, you know, a bottle of, of ibuprofen, I mean, you probably have spent more than the prepackaged first aid kit for, you know, a two or three day hike. Yeah. Right there. And the dollar store is actually not a bad place to pick up onesie twosies items. If you need a four by four pad or, you know, some other things, ace bandage, you know, they're, they're going to be single use items. Don't have to go buy the, uh, you know, premium items for that. Yeah. A small mirror or something like that as a reflective device, anything like that. Yep. One of the things I found in my experience with the store bought off the shelf first aid kits is the scissors that come in them are crap. Basically throw those out and go on Amazon and get a proper pair of safety first aid scissors. The, the ones that look like they won't cut anything, but cut everything, not like the cheap little two little bent pieces of metal scissors come in your first aid kit there. I have, I have literally personally had the experience of trying to use those scissors, those little scissors that came in the first aid kit and they actually fall apart when I'm trying to use them. Go say bad words, throw them across the park, take my knife and use that. (laughs) And did you use the remainder of the first aid kit on the person that you impaled with the pieces of scissor? I didn't need to because the pieces of scissor just bounced off and (laughs) fell apart and disappeared into the ether. Uh, But you hunted them down and disposed of them properly. I didn't actually throw them across the park, but I could say (laughs) bad words because I was really annoyed. But yes. Um, So that was definitely one thing I would say to what Alex was sharing, which is pull the kit open go through it, make sure you've got the key things that he was discussing in there because it's, it's important. And, and I, um, you've triggered for me another question, Alex, which is um, once you've got the kit, you've opened it up. Um, I'm going to guess you probably need to understand how the things in the kit work. Um, what are kind of the most important things to understand and know about using the items in the first aid kit when, when you're out in the woods? Yeah, I mean, I think looking at it and seeing, first of all, what is uh, wrapped in a waterproof bag or is the bag itself waterproof? Uh, Does it make sense to just take the whole first aid kit and put it into a Ziploc bag? So that way that will save, you know, a lot of your exposed bandages or Band-Aids if it happens to be a rainy hike that uh, they'll still be useful. Um, I think kind of knowing the doses of any of the medicines that come in your first aid kits, whether it's your Benadryl, for 25 milligrams or ibuprofen or aspirin, um, knowing the strength of your sunscreen. So just kind of being familiar with, you know, some of the items and the quality of them, I think is also important. Like you said, if, if you take the pair of scissors out and they won't cut, you know, through pieces of paper, well, they're not going to cut the bandages. They're not going to cut your band-aids. They're not going to cut your mold skin. Um, so I think, yeah, having a good pair of scissors or a knife that that's sharp and then a, a small pair of tweezers or, or forceps too would be really important too. Um, Imagine a geocacher without tweezers. What the heck? Right, right. Oh, it can happen. Uh, <laughs> GeoNavPros in the chat keeps talking about his first aid machete that he seems to carry <laughs> instead of scissors. or a... That that might fall under the category of overkill, but... <laughs> I think I had sold my red truck actually with an old machete under the driver's seat by accident and forgot to remove it. <laughs> You know, and I'm sure it was, and to be honest, it was, a, it was a cheap machete. It was one of these like, you know, home shopping network deals or, you know, freight liquidators, you know, use your 20% off coupon and get a free machete or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought if there are any blackberry bushes in my way, I am going to teach them a lesson. <laughs> nice. And then the person who buys your car goes, why is there a machete Ooh. under the back seat? <laughs> I don't Not only that, to... but what are all these weird colored red stains on it? Where is this from? <laughs> what kind of doctor was this guy? <laughs> oh, speaking of an oddly stained machete, hmm. um, how does one know when an accident, maybe with a machete, <laughs> is going to need more than just field treatment? And uh, uh, great, yeah, great question. So I, w- I would say that um, if, if you're by yourself and you, it's more than just a, a cut, a sprain, uh, 
you know, something that you can continue to walk on, you're probably going to need more than just treatment. Um, you know, I always encourage people to go hiking with friends or at least tell a loved one where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And if you don't return, they can help you um, find a search party or, you know, get back to your car. Um, I, I think big injuries would be anything that looks broken, anything that hurts if you wiggle it, um, anything that stops you from walking. Uh, those are going to be times where if you have cell phone reception, better to call somebody. Um, if you have a whistle, use that to, to call for help or a reflective mirror. Um, anything that is going to make it more dangerous for you to move. Uh, whether, you know, like I said, if that's, if that's a bone that's broken, if that's uh, a severe cut, that's continuing to bleed. Those are times that you're probably going to need more than just your first aid kit. And the idea is, okay, we're going to stop the geocache adventure. We're going to move on to safety and, and get fixed. There you go. Sounds like good advice. Uh, I saw Keats 94 in the chat said, if your limb is not with you and it should be, there might be a problem. There might be. <laughs> That, that's a good measuring stick. You may I would be, say, yeah, yeah, be a little more specific than that, but definitely that would be a case of calling for help. Yeah, uh, I Alex, did, I, I really like that phrase you use. If it hurts, if you wiggle it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was also going to say, Alex, nicely done. You you picked off a few more of the ten essentials so far. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think Alex has covered all ten essentials so far in the show. This is like the puzzle for this episode. Go back and find all 10 essentials. I was, was going to say, did you see how subtly he just wove those into his... Yeah. He's I'm good. so impressed. Again, they should be reinforcing, right? I mean, they're not like 10 random objects in your house or 10 crystal balls or pearls that you need. You know, They could be <laughs> baseball-sized steel you know? balls yeah. rolling down the street. Yeah. It should be like, oh, yeah, I'm not wearing pants today. Duh, that's the 11th essential. Oh, there we go. Oh, faster. I must be podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. So, all right. Uh, still talking about first aid and how to do first aid. Um, I can pretty much learn anything I need to off of YouTube. So is that going to be really how I should prep myself to do first aid before I go out on a hike? I think that YouTube videos that from reputable sources can offer a lot of good value, to be honest. Okay. Um, learning what's an emergency learning how to identify an emergency learning simple first aid kits and technique can really be gleaned there are a lot of crap youtube videos out there yeah there's a lot of videos that aren't going to show you anything useful or they're done to be um you know done to be spoofs so i I think that if you you can tell pretty quickly if it's going to be quality or not um i don't think it's any one YouTube video is going to cover every topic. I also don't think that, you know, we expect every cashier or every hiker to go through a library of YouTube videos. But I, I think what's probably important, if you're hiking in the desert, you may want to learn about, you know, um, temperature variation in the desert. You may want to learn about, you know, how do I find shade? You may want to learn about what SPF actually means and why it's important on your sunscreen. You may want to learn um how to best guesstimate the amount of water you should take with you as well you know how much should you drink throughout the day at a certain temperature you know similarly if you're going you know hiking into the mountains you're probably not going to learn from youtube video how to use your ice axe i would probably recommend you take a real mountaineers course go with a friend you know practice someplace easy before you build up and climb mount rainier or mount adams here so if the first aid video on YouTube is from the crazy Russian hacker, maybe not the best source. Right. If they're taking like uh, toothpaste bottles and a drill and a hot glue gun <laughs> and, and you're making your own repelling device, probably not going to be the best. <laughs> Ooh. That's Wait, first I, aid kits. I okay. can do that. <laughs> but I, I have all kinds of ideas now. <laughs> but it'll teach you how to boil an egg in three seconds flat. You know, you hard boil to be just perfect. <laughs> Okay, so maybe slightly off topic. I used to be an electrician for a living. I used to wire houses. And I would sometimes roll up to a job in the morning and the homeowner would be there and said, can I help? <laughs> and my my first thought was always, okay, if they help, A, it's going to take twice as long and B, I'm going to have to charge you twice as much because it's just it, it just doesn't help when the right. homeowner tries to help. So along those same kind of lines, are there common mistakes, errors, or poor judgment decisions that people make out in the field 
that they come, you said you did a, a internship or a residency at a hospital, probably ER or that kind of thing. If somebody shows up at the hospital, what's, what's something that doctors and nurses say, why did they do that? <laughs> you know? uh, so, so I think most people try to do their best. I think most people, you know, want to help their friends. Um, I, I, I think it's probably often the cashers and the hikers that think, it's it's just a flesh wound, you know, I'm going to continue on. It's going to be okay. And then they realize too late, like I really should have stopped and turned around and gone back. Um, so I, I would always say, you know, uh, be in the right mindset, you know, have your designated, you know, non-drinking hiking friend that can gear you in the right direction and say, yeah, that, that hurts when it wiggles. We should probably think about something different, <laughs> you know, a different plan. Um, I, I think for the most part, though, like I said, if if you are in a situation where you're like, this is going to end our adventure, let's just get out of here. You, you've probably piecemealed something together, a splint. You have your being your friend walk down the hill, you're sharing water, whatever makes sense. You know, you may be out in the middle of the night, but eventually you'll get back to safety in, in your car. And then, you know, just, you know, use, heal up from the elements and exposure and, yeah, get cleaned up. It's probably the best bet. and. Uh, the ER sees lots of people in all conditions in all times of night that come in. And, you know, if you happen to roll in at three o'clock in the morning, cause that's the time, you know, you got off the mountain at midnight and, you know, two hours driving, you know, from, uh, from central Washington, that's the time it is. They're there to help you. Those were oddly specific times <laughs> and durations you chose there. Like maybe this has happened to you. <laughs> There's many yeah. M- Mount side looks pretty small on the map, mm-hmm. but when you get up to that haystack and the sun's coming down and your lights are flickering, there's, there's some chances you're taking there. Nice. Well, uh, we've got questions from the chat. We've got actually some good ones and you know, some that, well, anyway, <laughs> uh, that land monkey is well, going to have to answer. We'll let you decide which ones are which. <laughs> <laughs> Breitling says, uh, sometimes I just want to restock band-aids in the kit, mm-hmm. but they're somewhat expensive. Is there the best place to buy supplies for restocking of just the things you've used? So again, like REI will sell like small packages of the medicines that they have in their first aid kits, but you generally are buying you know, three things of Benadryl with three things of Advil with three things of sunscreen, um, you know, but almost enough that if you buy enough of these, you create your second first aid kit or your first aid kit for your, your car or one that you can leave in your bike. Um, you know, a, a box of Band-Aids, um, you know, I always get the bright, colorful kid ones because they make great gifts for kids' birthday parties, number one. And number two, you know, if I have an injury, you're showing it off with pride. <laughs> um, so don't skip out on the Band-Aids. They're, they're fun. Um, but I would, I would probably say, like, Bartels or your local drugstore will have probably the widest selection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just be mindful that you're often buying things in packs of 5, 10, 20. So just be smart and make yourself a second first aid kit. And so, put it somewhere or give it to a geocaffeine machine friend or bring it to an event to, to raffle off or. There you go. Yeah. That's smart. That's smart. Oh, Alex, I like that. I've got a question about the band-aids. So fabric versus plastic. Um, I, again, most band-aids are, are like your cheap imitation form. I'm just covering up a wound. I'm not stopping the bleeding with a band-aid, but it may protect against, um, a small blister or I just don't want to get this cut more dirty. Um, I, I, I think it's whatever you have is probably the best bandaid to use. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, question from MC three cats. Are there items in a first aid kit that have expiration dates and how often should you go through your first aid kit and check for expired items? Probably anything that is more liquid is probably going to be much more likely to have an expiration date. Um, that would probably be your sunscreen, um, your some of the um, antibug repellents may have an expiration date. The other thing, too, to be mindful of is that when they go through kind of extreme temperature changes, those liquids will start to break down. Mm. We've, we've had several bottles of sunscreen here that, you know, they're good one year and the next summer you tip them and it's just liquid water that pours out and you can tell it's all degraded down. I I would say that, you know, on your birthday, 
is always a good day to check your first aid kit. There you go. You know, your, your opening of duck season, whatever, whatever day is meaningful <laughs> for you when Rabbit you're going to go hiking, you know, make that your day where you're going to lay everything out, repackage it. Um, you know, the first day you're bringing out your tent is the first day you're going to open up your first aid kit. And anything that is leaking, anything that smells, anything that looks discolored, that's the perfect time to pitch it. Um, again, you know, no matter how expensive any of these small items are, if you're going to need it in a bind and if it doesn't work for you, it's a waste of your time, energy, effort, weight that you're carrying. You know, you want something that's going to still make your your caching experience enjoyable. Well, if we get rid of everything that leaked, smelled, or was ineffective, <laughs> I wouldn't be here anymore. <laughs> Check, check. I, I try to check the things like that on my body every year. Is it leak? Does it smell? Is it in on your birthday? Yeah, <laughs> on my birthday. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. Um, I am had asked in the chat, has Dear Geocache Guy done a first aid video yet? And the answer is no. And I, I don't know if that's something the world needs or not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think the crazy Russian hacker will have that taken care of for us. <laughs> uh, one from three hymns in a rose who had to go pick up his oldest child from a youth event. Huh. Uh, yeah, he adds, my kit has Advil, uh, Robaxit, and Voltaren gel. Bad knee. He said, these three friends let me hike thrice as far as I should. The hip flask of rum also helps dull the aches. <laughs> so i think for some people you'll again he knows exactly what's in his first aid kit. he's also <laughs> added to his first aid kit so based on experience he's thought yeah. well okay you know after about the third fourth mile my knee starts to ache yeah. but i can keep going with just a little bit of pain relief um so i, I think that's that's a great idea yeah you know, and i'm sure when he uses them he knows where he's got his bigger supply out of his bottle and his medicine cabinet and restocks it so he's set to go the next time there I'm just go. a little worried that he's mixing drugs and alcohol on the trail, but that's a whole nother thing. He, he's an adult. Well, right. you know, Washington and Canada, uh, <laughs> as of yesterday. So anyways, um, he knows his chemistry. Let's just there. And he does know his chemistry, that's true, but not his biology. So that said, <laughs> um, I think that's great. So three hams, your first aid, methodology sounds like it has uh alex's seal of approval there that's good stuff that's what we're looking for alex's seal of approval right i mean i assume he uses the rum as a disinfectant sterilizes hands the wound you know the gaping gash from the from the cougar i was, <laughs> I was hoping i was hoping he offered to do his companions to uh never mind <laughs> a bribe to carry to dull those kind of aches huh okay yeah. Uh, one more from MC three cats, uh, good first aid acronyms that help you on the trail, like hmm. rice, R I C E. What are some others that, uh, cashers should know to help assess first aid situations? First of all, let's explain what rice is. Yeah. It's a small white grain often served in uh, Chinese shops. And uh, you know, sometimes you get it as brown rice or jasmine as well. Uh, it tastes Long quite grain. good with teriyaki. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll it, be it, hungry an hour later. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, in this case, rice tends to stand for uh, rest, ice, compression, and elevation. Well, which, ice is in it. You can't use ice. Well, uh, it's hidden in there. It's it's the hidden. It's it's, okay. it's like the meta uh, oh, puzzle within okay. rice. <laughs> Recursive acronyms. I like it. <laughs> and um, it's a it's a great acronym to remember for a, a joint injury, a muscle ache, a muscle sprain um that the first one is rest so again if it hurts don't use it you know if you went hiking and yeah you you have a bum ankle now this is the time where you maybe take the next few days off work you rest it up on a nice pillow have your wife make some ice packs for you and give you lemonade you know whatever whatever it needs to be (laughs) graze it up um i think other good acronyms um you know go back to really like the cpr kind of acronyms using the the ABCs, airway, breathing, and circulation. So if somebody is having a heart attack or somebody's having an asthma attack or um, anaphylaxis from a bee sting or from a, 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 a plant uh, allergen, um, making sure they can breathe, that they can 
uh, pump the blood around the, their, their body is probably very important as well. Um, I think you can make up a lot of different acronyms for, for things. I think, you know, some of them are appropriate for first aid. Some are not. <laughs> SAR is one I see just popped up in the chat. Yeah. But that's search and rescue. Search and rescue. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you've already made the assessment. This is not good. And yeah. I'm not getting out of here. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And uh, um, we also had popped into the the chat here a note from Keats94, who reminds us to maybe put tick tweezers in your first aid kit says that it saved him from possible Lyme disease in Nova Scotia. Um, you never know if a tick is carrying Lyme disease or not. Right. Not every single tick does, but there's no way to look at a tick and say, hey, you carrying Lyme disease? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, yeah, they'll, that, they'll have a little red tag on one of their legs that will tell you. Oh, okay. They're carrying, a, it's a, it's a little green tag and it's often in a martini glass and, and sometimes it's just a little peel of it, but mm. for the lime. Ah, yeah. <laughs> That's, sometimes it's in a coconut. Sometimes it depends. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't drink it all down. Yep. And I, and I think, I think he's 94 brings up a good point that yeah, geography plays, plays a big part as to your exposure of diseases. Most of the ticks in our area um, don't carry Lyme disease, but definitely East coast. Uh, northeast uh, U.S. Uh, Nova Scotia area would be much higher risk for for Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. Right on. And one more. This is actually a very good question. Uh, this comes from the Land Sharks. Snake bite. Do you stay still or walk out? Uh, so the first thing again here is is um, probably your general safety. You know, you got bit by the snake. If you can identify the snake, that's going to be really helpful. Uh, if you can't uh, make sure the snake doesn't bite you again, so try not to provoke it or, you know, and any use of the, the other machete snakes and cut its head off. Right. Yeah. yeah. If you're able to cut its head off and, you know, that, bring it into the ER, it's actually theoretically very helpful to know what sort of anti-venom to, to give. Um, I think the second thing is, you know, stay calm, um, you know, treat it's your, your snake bite like any other injury. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're not going to be able to suck the poison out. You're not going to be able to squeeze the poison out. I see that in the movies. The cowboys right. do it it's, all it's the time. It's always there, you know. <laughs> and it's amazing the amount that they can suck out. You know, but by yeah. that time, you know the animal venom is already in your in your muscle into into your blood. Um, I, I think any bad snake bite is is a perfect time to to walk out and go to the emergency room. All right. So stay still in the sense of figure out what's going on, treat the wound, like any immediate treatment you can do. If you can find some way to identify the snake. Great. Right. But Use your machete. This is the time. There's, yeah. Now you use the machete, but, but walk out is, is the advice or, or get carried out. Get or, carried is ideal. Yeah. 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 That's go. why you always go hiking with somebody else bigger and stronger than you. Yeah. Yeah. But as long really, as you're faster than them. Yeah, you're not the one getting hit by the snake. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're so filled with good advice on this show. This is why you're here, Alex, because right. if people only listened to the three of us, there would be a lot of dead geocaches. Yeah, they're, in, yeah. they're in deep soup. For sure. Yeah, that's, that's why our listenership keeps going down week after week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. Alex, thank you so much for coming back on and talking to us. I mean, we need this practical advice. I mean, listen to what we're going to say, but right, right. <laughs> you know, thank you so much. We, we certainly appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm glad I could steer you all in the right direction here. <laughs> so have your first aid machete. It's apparently very useful. That's right. what I'm taking from this episode. That's right. Especially where all the snakes are at. Yeah. <laughs> Don't leave it in your truck when you sell your truck. That's no, right. Cause you need it. Yeah. Oh, well, folks, if you like this episode, there are more coming up. If you didn't like this episode, there are still more coming up. That's right. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> next week, actually, we're still working on some details. We've had a, a last minute cancellation. After that, November 1st, can you believe it's already coming up on November, guys? Mm. Didn't we just have New Year's? Uh, November 1st, we're about talking. To have another one. Yeah, we're about to have another. Uh, Geocoin Fest 2018 with Christian Mackey and JP. 
fun. And then the week after that, make sure you've set your uh, clocks back again for all that mess thing, things up. But we'll be talking about the Olympic Geo Tour with Olympic Park Tourism, followed the next week with a update from Washington State Geocaching Association about winter. Because, well, winter is just around the corner, isn't it? Winter is coming. I've heard that somewhere. Which changes what you need in your first aid kit. There you go. And what you carry and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. And folks, I want to take a moment to thank Landsharks. Our corporate Denali-level sponsor, Landsharks.ca, is the outdoor adventure and geocaching store. Check them out online or go in person and visit their store in Victoria, British Columbia. They're open six days a week except holidays. And they ship online orders every single day. So not only do we want to thank those great folks at Landsharks, we also want to thank our faithful Denali-level supporters. That's Bounce Bounce, Team Squirrel, Limax, and WorldCaching.com. If you want to know more about supporting this amazing podcast, well, just go over and click that Patreon link on the CachingNW.com website, and you too could have your name read in one moment by Land Monkey. Ooh, I don't know. I, don't, I think that's a punishment of some sort. I, I need a <laughs> drum roll sound effect. <laughs> All right. So, a rim shot. No, never mind. <laughs> so, our patrons are. Broncos fan for life, Sprouter, Camp Clan, Tick Magnet, Kev MacD, Subway, Mark Dormore, Dune Buddy, Kid Vegas 19, Geo Nav Pros, Wino, Seattle, Ackerdock, Billy Robson, Gene Eyes, and Tess Keats 94, Trexer Zero, MC3 Cats, and Kennel Barb. Yay! I don't know why I always pause in, in Gene Eyes, Genies, Genies, Gene Eyes. I guess because I always look at it and go, how am I pronouncing that this week? <laughs> niece, anyway. like the female. Genie's niece, yeah, the uh, okay. female family member relation. I, All right, yeah. I'll try and not the nephew. The niece. I'll keep mm-hmm. screwing that up. Don't worry. That's what we like consistency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, thank you to all the sponsors and Medicine Men of Seattle. Thank you for joining us on this episode. If somebody wants to reach out and have a private consultation, I mean, uh, ask you geocaching trail advice. How could they get in touch with you? Uh, probably through uh, Medicine Man of Seattle on geocaching.com. Perfect. How about cool hat advice? Uh, I would say the same. Uh, Facebook, uh, Alex Hamley. We can share <laughs> photos. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> nice. All right. Land Monkey, where can people reach you? So we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at Land Monkey GC. On Facebook, we're Team Land Monkey or Land Monkey's Geocaching Adventures. On YouTube, L-A-N-M-O-N-K-E-Y, Land Monkey on YouTube. We are uh, moving along through season one, our Baltic adventures. And I'm currently editing the next episode, which is Russia. We're going to St. Petersburg in the next wow. episode. Very exciting. I've got so much content. I'm trying to, it's taken a while to edit this one. Because Mother Russia is so big. It's, well, it was just such an awesome couple of days in Russia and just trying to figure out what to, I don't know. It's cool. We're having lots of fun with it. However, wit's end. If people wanted to check you out, where would they go? Probably just same places. Facebook, Twitter, geocaching.com. I'm wit's end in all three places. Chris of the Northwest? Well, you know, caching NW on Facebook and Twitter. You know, you can try Google Plus, but what's the use? It's not going to be around much longer. <laughs> Uh, or head on over to cachingnw.com slash hosts and read the bios and find all the links that we just mentioned. Because we know you're on the road, you're driving, and you're thinking, hmm, I need to find them on Twitter. Don't do it while you're driving. No. Wait. Don't do that. Go to geo, geo, go to cachingnw. <laughs> I did it. Yeah, you caught me. Cachingnw.com slash hosts. Find it there. That's right. When you're safely. Or you can go to Geo Gearheads if you're interested in that podcast. Well, I was coming up with geocaching.com. Yeah. But. <laughs> well and for all of you we want to thank you each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to this episode of caching in the northwest you can be part of the show give us a call 253-693-TFTC leave us a comment ask us a question you could restock our first aid kits for us that's always helpful anytime day or night um or maybe you could swing by with your machete and lop the head off of a snake of course you can also feed email Feedback, 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 feed whatever at 
cashingnw.com. Your support, it helps to keep quality shows coming. If you like this show, please click the Patreon link on the cashingnw.com website and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcasting application might be. This show is produced by Chris Umfenauer and Jay Kennedy, hosted by Chris J. and Jim Paulwitz. This show is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license, copyright 2018 by Chris Umfenauer. And there's no way I'm ever going to read all that in one breath like Land Monkey reads his list. So you're stuck with what I got. There you go. You know, we're not stuck with just that. We have the after show to be stuck with as well. Wait, that's not the way you're supposed to say it, is it? (laughs) So, so folks, if you've stuck with us through all the credits and silliness, now, now you get more silliness. So you're Hmm. wrong. (laughs) I mean, you know, if we could make the credits that much fun to read, we ought to. Feed yeah. Back, feed cack, feed deck. Yeah. Cack. So, yeah, there's maybe a bit of an inside joke there. We'll get to that. <laughs> hey, if you're new to the after show, this is an opportunity for us to get out, reach out, and touch. That's not appropriate anymore. To get in contact with those. Ooh. Who uh, who are in the live chat? And if you use the hashtag #fatas, that's F T A S for the after show. Our uh, show, our our chat watching lackey will actually grab that, put it in the show notes for us. And guess what? I get to stay focused and actually paying attention to what people are saying rather than reading a question that was previously so, so answered. Chris, you just tipped something off here. Um, do we have a a new uh, a new member of active member of the podcast. Do we have somebody else doing some work behind the scenes here? We do. We do. So should we mention a name or just leave it as the uh, chat watching lackey? Ooh, I don't know. Why don't we leave it as a chat watching lackey and, and see what, what transpires from there. See what happens from there. Uh, we do have a chat watching lackey. That is a tongue twister, a chat watching <laughs> lackey who is keeping track of what's going on in the chat for us and posting things over into the show notes for us so that you viewer and listener get a better quality podcast because Chris and Jim and I aren't quite as easily distracted as we normally are. (sighs) The CWL, that's the chat watching lackey. (laughs) Oh, does that translate into Canadian well? Yes. Okay. Literal. It's a literal. One per, okay. Good. CWL, CWL, CWL. Alex, you, you just asked something. What's up? Oh, oh, the, the chat watching lackey. That's not a copyrighted name by another company organization. Definitely not the chat watching part. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> hence, hence why maybe they're not sponsoring your show huh? oh. or being a Patreon supporter. Yeah. Year. I was, I was trying to come up with another term like lackey. But lackey really kind of, well, in in the culture we're in, lackey has a definite connotation that's yeah. positive. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I couldn't quite come up. A minion, uh, minions have been corrupted now by by Gru. Gru. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we, maybe somebody in the chat can help us come up with, uh, with another name for the chat watching lackey. Mm, there you go. Yeah, you guys. Give us some creative suggestions of how we're going to brand our chat watching lackey. Cause you know, and you can't use the word monkey cause that's already taken. Hmm. Speaking of monkeys, I doesn't know, have a tail, it's not a monkey. That's right. I know it in the after show. Even I if it ha- has a monkey kind of shape. I have had made, I'm just ignoring you guys and rolling <laughs> through here. That's normal. I have had made a comment, hashtag Patas monkeys littering in Utah. So first of all, I'm going to say that I have seen on Instagram that Camp Clan is out there or has been out there in Utah having a pretty grand adventure. I hope you guys have been having an awesome time. It looks like you were and stay safe, cash safely, cash often. And yes, uh, the litter he's referring to is I had left some of the caching in the Northwest slash land monkey business cards and a few of the caches out there. I tend to try and play some in caches where I think they're not going to just turn into wet, moldy crap right away, but sometimes they do. You never know, but that's what he's talking about. Yes. 
Uh, yes, he he referred to them as monkey droppings at one point. Monkey droppings. Mm. Nice. <laughs> I love it. That's funny. You have poo, fling it now. <laughs> I mean, the moose droppings are delicious, you know, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, or what? What is it? The coffee beans that certain monkeys eat and then come out whole, and then they're roasted, and it's some sort of cat. It's a cat. There's yeah, a cat. is that? It's not even a monkey. All right. And but, you know, who is the first person to try that? Yeah. Right. Hey, this here's an idea. Like idea. <laughs> I found this on the ground. I'm gonna make oh. a drink. All I can tell you for sure is not me. <laughs> wow. Civet cats. There you go, Civet, Brian Lang. Research yeah. department. Civet cats. There you go. As opposed to uncivet cats, yeah. which are the ones that fling it. Yeah. We must all be a little more civet. Yes. I made a mention earlier in the podcast about a couple of things. One was event in Victoria. We talked about that a little bit, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more. The other was contest. There is a new contest coming. Stay tuned for the next episode, but also watch our social media between episodes, and you're going to find out about a new cool contest sponsored by our new sponsors land sharks to win an exclusive land sharks 10-year anniversary coin and um we're going to start posting the pictures of that coin this week on social media this or this coming weekend and following week as we get into the next podcast but the reason that i'm going on and on about this is because once you see these coins and and when you see the picture of the coin, you go, oh, that's kind of cool. But what you need to do is like magnify the image and zoom in on it and look at it. And you're, you're going to go, oh, that's really cool. So just going to leave that teaser out there. And we're going we're gonna to show this stuff very soon. So follow our social media, follow Landsharks social media. So that's at GoLandsharks with a Z. Um, at LandMonkeyGC, at Cashing in the Northwest or at Cashing NW. And yeah, and you'll see it. How cool, right? It's going to be fun. Oh, and event in Victoria, December. Yes. Event in Victoria. Do and we have gonna... a solid date yet? We're still working on that, right? We're just nailing down the last details and then we'll publish it. So watch for that. Okay. Is there going to be a uh, Cashing in the Northwest badge icon for Ooh. our? Uh... Maybe there should be a profile yeah. souvenir. Yep. Your profile. Yeah. For the, event. Of the, the Monte Cristo hike. Yeah, probably. Hmm. MC three cats. How about a plug for land sharks with the chat washer? How about the chat watching sharks? <laughs> CWS. There you go. Breitling wants everything. Can I has coin? Can I has date? <laughs> you're, you're married. No, you cannot have a date. <laughs> not with us anyways. Mm. Although I guess if you did have a date with one of us, it would be a mandate. Oh, the show does need a mandate. Bad dates. And yes, you can have a coin. You can have a Canadian penny. <laughs> Probably has a couple of those already. I think I have a couple Bottom of, of a chair. <laughs> oh, let's see. There's a, there's a after show note for medicine man of Seattle. Hashtag Fatas. Remember that in U.S. you watch TV. In Russia, the TV watches you. Uh, more Russia jokes. More Mother Russia jokes. Yeah. Love it. Okay, I'll read this next one yeah, because it on. has to do with Ohio. And All right, from Ohio. Uh, so Stark Casher says uh, tomorrow, going on a one-day geocaching trip from Toledo to Columbus. It's about a two and a half, three-hour drive. Uh, to attend third season kickoff party for podcast Ohio versus the world. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I will get nine. We'll get nine new degrees for the, Oh, for the Ohio 360 degree challenge should be 225 of 360 after the trip. Nice. Well, that's pretty good. From hey, Columbus, you should be able to get 360 because well, you know, it's the center of the state. <laughs> there you go. I want to throw out uh, a little correction. Landsharks uh, has corrected me over in the chat. On YouTube and Twitter, their handle is at Landsharks with a Z at the end. And Instagram, it's at GoLandsharks with a Z on the end. So there you go. I'll make a point of getting that correct in the future. Nice. What else we got? Oh, hey, 
our good friend Keats94 on a very recent podcast on this very channel has added a hashtag fatas saying it is day 379 of the geocache. Hey, that's more than 360 mm. of the geocaching streak. The bond only gets deeper. So, all right, here we go. Now he's aiming for 400 days, but we all know that I won't like not feeling the pressure to find a daily cache. Hashtag streak Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Hashtag. Streak Stockholm syndrome. I love that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's funny. All right. So wow. 379 days. That's impressive. Yeah. That's getting awful close to 400. So mm -hmm. we'll see if he actually stops. You know, we'll just call it 400 now. <laughs> I'm trying right. to get into so, his head. So I, I think it's been an hour. I think we've, we've done a pretty good podcast here. I think we've covered everything else. Yeah. We have folks. Thank you so much for listening to us and our silliness. And Alex, thank you so much again for actually bringing useful information You're as opposed well. to what we do each and every <laughs> week. And until next week, get out and get caching in the Northwest.